I knew I was there for my kids, for their freedom. I knew I was there to hold love and peace. I knew I was there to show the world the truth instead of just what the mainstream would spin it as. And so I was very convicted and I thought, if I lose friends or followers or people don't want to talk to me for a while, I just came to a place of that's okay. It's more painful to keep my voice shut down than to share my truth. And what I noticed was when I was quiet about freedom and choice, then I got quiet about what mattered in my business. And when I got louder about my beliefs about freedom, then I felt like more courageous to speak about my business. So, I mean, not that it really just all matters about followers, but I almost doubled my Instagram followers in two weeks, just from speaking truth and showing the truth and being myself unapologetically. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with me today. And I've got a great episode for you today. I've got one of my former students on the show today. And this episode is going to be a little bit different because normally when I bring people on, we talk about their work and how they're using their voice in their work and that kind of thing. And we're going to touch on my guest work, but... We're going to touch on something that could brush up against your beliefs. And so I want to say, first and foremost, that I really encourage you to listen to this interview from the perspective of what this woman has been able to do in relation to her ability to use her voice and captivate the room. She is on a mission. And you may or may not agree with her mission. And that's 100% okay. That's not what the show is about. The show is not about this is the way we have to do it. It's not at all. It's not at all. And I touch on this in the episode, how important I believe it is that every voice is heard. Because I believe every voice matters. So this student, and I'm going to tell you about her. You're going to love her. She's a former student, and I always keep up with my students. I always keep an eye on their Instagrams or whatever they're doing. And she happened to catch my eye. She's Canadian, and she happened to catch my eye when she started doing a lot of videos, Instagram stories, boots on the ground in the trucker movement in Canada. And I really started watching what she was doing, and I watched primarily. Because I was so, so I don't want to say stunned because that that word makes it sound like I was so shocked that she was capable. And that's not what I'm saying at all. Mesmerized might be the better word with her ability to stand in the power of her voice, be so present, captivate the listeners, not because I didn't think she was capable, but because I knew what drove her to me to begin with. I had seen the process and the progress over several weeks. And it to me, it was one of the greatest success stories 
of the power of the voice, the power of commanding the space, the power of being in the now, like you've heard me talk about. And I watched her stand in her truth and express herself in love with some of the greatest courage I've ever seen. And so I wanted her to come on the show and we're going to talk about voice. We're going to talk about the movement. Of course we are and why she believes in it and why she's a part of it. It is in no way, and I'll give this disclaimer, you know me, I'll give it a couple of times. The episode is not about that. The episode is about finding your voice. Now, let me tell you a little bit about her. Charmaine Ironside has many passions, and the core of her work is helping women release weight, get healthier, and love the skin they're in. After painfully struggling for 20 years with her weight, body image, and chronic yo-yo dieting, she commuted herself to discovering and creating an approach to end the struggle for herself and others. I love her approach. She would talk about it a lot in the group because we're in, in my group program. We're working on videos and we're working on things like that. But it includes unconventional nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset upgrades, plus a ton of love and support to help women create lifelong positive health habits and have lots of fun along the journey to their healthiest bodies and happiest life. And she is so much fun. And she is such an expression of love. You're going to hear this in her when she talks about this experience and really maximizing the power of her voice there in Canada. I'm going to let her talk about her uh, Olympic level snowboard career that is in her bio, but we're going to talk about that in the show. But she has a university education as a kinesiologist specializing in exercise prescription, injury rehabilitation, nutrition, and psychology, and has helped thousands of people transform their bodies and lives since starting as a fitness and transformation coach in 2010. She enjoys all the hats she wears including being a mom to a fabulous daughter and an energetic son, wife to an incredible husband, and an entrepreneur who is constantly looking for ways to help people live happier and healthier lives. I really want you to listen to what we talk about in this conversation. I really want you to see the possibility from a voice perspective. Let's head on over to the show. Charmaine, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with me today. Thank you, Tracy. I'm so, so honored to be here. Well, I could not wait. I couldn't get you on here fast enough when I saw what you'd been up to lately. And I, I want to dive in and have, we're going to have an amazing conversation. Before we get too far down the tracks, I want to say to the listeners, this show may feel a little different than what you're used to with me, and that's okay. But what I want you to keep in mind is wherever you stand on anything, no matter what your views are, no matter what your beliefs are, no matter anything, I cannot encourage you enough to stay with this conversation, to stay with this interview. What you're going to find out really quickly is there is no judgment going to happen in this conversation. So I, I really believe 
to my core as a part of my absolute mission that every voice matters and every voice must be heard. Full stop. So I just want to give that little disclaimer because I really want you to stay with me because you're going to be blown away with this conversation and with this woman. Charmaine, like I mentioned in the intro, is a former student of mine. And let's see, where should we start? Well, you know what? We'll start with the same question I always ask. Tell us what you do. Just tell us about your work. Sure. Yeah. So I am a fitness and transformation coach. I operate fully online now. I had two of my own locations, transformation centers, fitness gyms in Calgary, Canada, where I live. And then throughout the last couple of years with all the restrictions in Canada, it made it challenging to continue as an in-person business. So I shifted online and love to help people just move well, live well, thrive physically, mentally, emotionally um, through fitness, nutrition, and mindset work. And that's what I do. Yeah. And and I, I want to, we're going to talk about the core of what, what I brought you on here to talk about, but you also have an incredible backstory that I think blows people away. Obviously you're from Canada and the Olympics. Tell us that story. Yeah. Part of my background is I was a Canadian national team athlete and in line for the 2010 Olympics, I was ranked second in Canada. And just about one year before the games, I had a huge crash, um, was almost paralyzed, was told I actually burst a vertebrae in my back and, and broke a couple other vertebrae, had a nine hour surgery to try to repair my back. And I was told I would never snowboard again. I might not even walk again. Um, and long story condensed into a short story. After six months, I was on my snowboard again. I was trying really, really hard to get back um, to where I needed to be to compete at the Olympics. Sadly, I, my body didn't physically get where it needed to, but I still got to be on the Canadian team. I got to be an alternate for Team Canada. I got to ride the Olympic half pipe in Vancouver. Um, and so that was sort of the, the, the bittersweet ending to that. And it spurned such a passion in me for helping people move well and overcome adversity and not let situations define us. And, you know, that diagnosis, you might never walk again. You'll definitely never snowboard again. That gives me such a fire to tell people, never let someone decide your future. Don't let a doctor's diagnosis become your reality unless you want it to. And so that's uh, part of my message. <laughs> yeah. So you've really always been a bit of a fierce spirit. In a way, I think. Yes, or maybe on the dark side, too stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> on the light side, just never give up. Never take someone's, someone says they don't believe in me. It doesn't matter. That just fuels me. Yeah. You would be, uh, my father used to always call me an overcomer. And that he would call you the same. So we met, you came to work with me. And when was that? Was that last year? Just about six months ago. Okay, about six months ago. So not too long ago. Yeah, maybe even five months. I took your eight-week program. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so six months ago, I had the opportunity to, to work with Charmaine. And I, I, I knew who she was. I knew, I knew a lot about her. 
But over the last couple of weeks, I started watching her on Instagram. And I was already proud of her when she left my group. I think she made just just a delightful person to work with, really captivating. But I started watching her on Instagram. So let's talk about this journey. Charmaine was on the front lines of the trucker movement in Canada. And and I'm sure you all know about that at this point. So tell us, tell us what first, how did you end up there? Yeah, well, gosh, that's a good question. I, I have been very alert throughout the whole last two years and um, really trying to do the right thing for myself and my family and the world. And um, one of my strong beliefs is, is freedom. I, I, I'm not against anything. I just really am passionate about everyone being able to choose what's best for themselves through their research, their experience. Um, and so some of the mandates, you know, some people, maybe your listeners are from all over the world. Canada, I would say, was one of the strictest places in terms of the mandates with, you know, the shots and the masking and masking little kids and closing businesses, you know, my mm-hmm. gyms were closed, but the casinos were open and, you know, my gyms were closed, but of course the liquor stores were open and it, some of it just didn't make sense to me. There was some incongruency. I thought, I thought this was about helping people's health, but people's mental physical health was degrading by the second. And so, you know, after two weeks to flatten the curve and two shots, and then we'll back, get back to normal and the goal co- post kept moving. I just stopped believing what the news and the government was saying a lot of it, at least. And so I just started, you know, I started going to the freedom walks in my city and standing for freedom of choice. And, and I wanted more truth and transparency in the government. Um, and it was a hard, it's been a, everyone has had their own two years of struggle. And I just thought if I don't stand for something, I stand for nothing. And so I started getting more vocal in the last month or so about freedom. And then when I saw the trucker movement start, it just gave me such hope because it brought Canadians out of the woodwork that hadn't spoken up. And, and there was millions of us, instead of thinking we were just this little fringe group of weirdos, conspiracy theorists, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was like, no, it, a lot of Canadians, whether they're vaccinated or not, what uh, we're just ready to get back to our lives. We don't mm-hmm. want to keep living under these strict mandates that don't make sense anymore. Um, so yeah, I just started going, yay, truckers. And it gave me so much hope. And um, then the news started showing it and calling us racist, terrorist, white supremacist, really trying to pour a, pour a bad light on the movement. So then I felt called to go to Ottawa to document on the ground what was really happening. Okay. Now, as you were saying that, I was thinking back to probably around the top of the pandemic. I, I have a lot of people in Canada and I had several clients. I think their businesses are still closed estheticians and things like that, that it has to be in person. You can't do that over Zoom. And I just, they would think that they were going to get to go back to work and, and they, and they couldn't. And it, it also came to my attention when all of this was going on, y'all have a reputation for being incredibly nice, incredibly laid back. Don't really say anything. And I didn't know that, even though I've worked with a lot of people from Canada. Is is that 
is that true that y'all are yeah, just go with the flow, laid back, don't rock the boat uh, type of people? I would say, yeah, I would say yes. I, yeah. We say please a lot. We say thank mm-hmm. you a lot. We try not to rock the boat, like you said. Um, and like the, the, it's beautiful that we're so kind. And mm-hmm. I think our own kindness was used against us. And we just went with all the mandates and we just complied. And even though they didn't start, ma- they weren't making sense. We didn't want to rock the boat. Yeah. And so I think there's a dark side to that too. And um, but yeah, Canadians are generally considered like polite and kind mm-hmm. and kind of, I don't want to say meek, um, but maybe a little bit oh. uh, like when I think of Americans, I think of strong and you yeah. stand up for your freedoms and very patriotic and Canada um, maybe doesn't have quite that same strength. Yeah. Well, and that's why I wanted to comment about it, because obviously the people that I've worked with, I have loved and adored and were kind and But I kept hearing people talking about, okay, if Canadians are standing up, we need to pay attention because that's not really their nature. And it probably was in in relation to like Americans who are very vocal. And it kind of reminded me of Texans. You know, Texans are just really lovely people. So. So you started watching the movement. The movement was already taking place where the the truckers on the way to Ottawa, they were already there. Now you've, you went down there twice. Yeah. So the, the truckers rolled through my town, which I was in the middle of the country. I'd missed it. I I missed that boat. I wasn't really as aware. And then I, I was sad that I missed them going through my city. And then, yeah, it was, it wasn't that first weekend. I didn't go. It wasn't the second weekend. It was when, or it was the second weekend. I, I said, okay, I'm going to go and I'm just going to go see and see what this is all about. Cause the news was saying it was like all these bad things. And so mm. I went, it was so much fun. It was like a big party. Um, there was the most hugs and love and unity I'd felt in two years. You know, no one was masked because in Canada, everywhere is still masked even now. Um, so, you know, even outside, what's even, that? even outside, um, you know what? Outside, a lot of people choose to because they're so afraid. Yeah. Okay. Has been making us. Yeah. Trying to make us so afraid, but no. Um, there was actually some 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 small towns that are mountain towns that said you had to wear them even outside for a while. So that was insane. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. So it was just so nice to see smiles again and humanity, and it really reignited my belief in like humans are so good, and uh, the truckers were like feeding the homeless and they were offering food to everyone that was there. And I'd never seen such a beautiful show of unity and love and peace. And then when I looked at the news, I thought I was taking crazy pills. Cause I'm like, how are they saying this? Like, I mean, I could share 10 hundred examples, but one was there's a war memorial um, and the veterans were, were annoyed that the police had barricaded it. Cause they're like, that's disrespectful. Like we fought for this country we should be able to go like pay our respects and get close to it. And so the, they slowly took like, you know, one by one, they took down the fence and I was there, I saw it happen. And then on the news, it said that they stormed the war memorial and like tore down the fences. And I'm like, I had to, I had wow. to, I saw it with my eyes and then I saw the news depict it. And I thought, I never knew, I never knew the mainstream news would lie. I thought maybe they would only share one side but they're willing to now fully just lie. And so that was upsetting to me. And um, that's why I went back again. 
part of that because I wanted to document like the news is saying this, but this is what's actually yeah. happening. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and the same thing, I know you posted something about the horse, the, the, I don't remember how it was spun, but apparently the, the, the a horse, a mounted police, trampled a woman. But I thought what was so fascinating was it was it was spun like she caused it, I think. But then when you shared the the text message or whatever that was, where they were making fun of, yeah, were, absolutely. yeah, yeah. What literally happened, and I like I said, there's so many instances like this, but. Um, they brought these big blinded horses out mm -hmm. to clear the crowds back to try to get the protesters to leave. And we were all peaceful protesters just wanting our freedoms back. But they brought these horses. And then this woman, she was an Aboriginal Mohawk Indian woman. Um, she was an elder and she had her walker and they literally trampled her to the ground with the horse, not on purpose, but it just happened in the scuffle. Um, and then in the news, they said that someone threw a bicycle to try to trip a horse and like they just totally spun it. So and then there and the RCMP officers had a text chain and WhatsApp saying, like, we should try that maneuver tomorrow. Ha ha ha. And like making fun of it. So that got leaked, which was awesome because it shone a light on how deranged some of our systems are. Not all police. Obviously, I love I'm grateful for the police. But some of them got a, we got a clean house of these yeah. people that are not there for the right reason. Then, um, so yeah, there's there's it was wild. It was a wild weekend. The second weekend I was there was just that's what yeah. Really now hold on, hold on, hold on to the second weekend because yeah. that was that was really when I yeah, was, yeah. I, I really want to talk about that. But I want to back up to the first weekend a second. So you started filming, you were there that first weekend and I, I would catch you, I would watch you and, I, you know, I very clearly would uh, say, oh, that's awesome, Charmaine's down there, look at her go. It was in the second weekend that I was so riveted by not only what you were doing, but what I heard in your voice. But let me go back to the first weekend for a minute. When the when you were there the first weekend, had the the whatever the law was, the wartime thing, had that been enacted yet? No. Okay. So you were meeting truckers, you're having conversations, you're putting everybody on camera, people are loving up on each other and signs of love. I mean, I saw it. Okay. I saw her footage. And the reason I want to go back to the first weekend before we talk about the second weekend is you got a real feel for what, why they were doing this. And I want you to tell us that before we go into the second weekend, you were having conversations with these people. Had they driven all over from all over the country? What was the goal? What was in their hearts? Yeah, well, I got the opportunity to speak with lots of them. And, you know, they really, there was grandparents, there was all ages, there's all nationalities. and they just really were fighting peacefully fighting or standing for her freedoms. I mean, it originally started because our prime minister said that if you're not vaccinated as a trucker, you could no longer do your routes to the U S and back to Canada, unless you had quarantined for two weeks, which makes it really hard for a trucker to make a living, even though they sleep in their truck and there's no science to show that truckers are a part of the issue with the pandemic. 
Um, and so that's how the truck convoy started was we want this to drop. We, we want to be able to do our work and travel to the U.S. and back to Canada without this quarantine. But then it just became so much bigger. And they're like, mm-hmm. we want our kids back to school. We want the masks dropped. Um, we want the kids to stop distancing. Some kids, some, some places in Canada, kids are in a box, a plastic box around their desk. Um, you know, like that's not, that's not living. That's not learning. They're not allowed to touch each other. They're hand sanitizing 20 times a day. They're masked all day. They, even when they're eating lunch, they have to wear a mask and they have to pull it down to take their mask off on. So it's like, I think a lot of the truckers realize this isn't just about, you know, getting this travel thing so we can go do our job North Mm -hmm. back to the U S and back, but it's like, we're doing this now for all Canadians. And when they started convoying from the East, the West coast to the East coast, they had thousands of people out on the side of the roads with signs like, thank you, truckers, freedom. We just want our lives back, you know, like, so it became so much bigger than just drop the mandates for the truckers. It was let's drop the mandates for everyone because all these other countries are doing it. Mm-hmm. And not only are we not going that way, we're going the other way. Our prime minister's trying to lock us down more, even though it seems like most countries are kind of getting out of this, we're going the wrong way. So that's why the truckers were like, this is bigger than we thought. Like, and Canadians yeah. support this. And we just want our kids to have their lives back and freedom. Right. Cause yeah. the government just took it too far, took too much control, you know? Well, it seems like based on everything I heard you saying over this whole, you know, from from the time I met you even, which the pandemic had clearly started, it's not about it is about freedom. Do what you want. Do what you want. We're not saying don't do this. We're fighting for freedom. And was it mostly Canadian truckers or was it or was it all Canadian? truckers yeah it was mostly canadian uh lots like lots that came all the way from the west coast okay to all the provinces and then lots came from east and i did meet a few americans too um but yeah mostly canadians yeah because they were crossing a border and would have to stop for two weeks if they didn't if they didn't have all the vaccines and boosters and things like that yeah. And every- so were there were there were always oh, different. Did it have different rules well, for that specifically going across the border and back? That's what the prime minister announced. So that was what got the truckers to really get it. Oh, OK. We're going to take a stand. But then it became the whole every province got involved and our provinces are like states in the U.S. Um, oh, OK. Yeah. OK. And there were hundreds of them down there. Yeah. So like there was 6,700 cars, trucks that came from the West coast. And then not to mention all the ones that came from all these other places, like, but then a lot didn't stay. They just came for that first convoy to show oh, okay. Ottawa. What, and then a lot of them like went home, but then, you know, a few, I would say, I don't know the numbers, maybe a thousand stayed and they parked their trucks and they're like, we are not going anywhere till this country is free. <laughs> so oh, they, wow. Um, they parked and that's what became contentious was now they were blockading, you know, citizens from living their normal life. And that's why people got upset about it. Um, and that's another story too. Like I have compassion for that. And every Ottawa citizen, which is where that happened 
I talked to her like, this is amazing. Our, our city's never felt so alive and we've never felt so much hope. But of course the news only picks the one, you know, angry person that wants them to leave, you know? So yeah, I'm sure there's both sides, but it just wasn't balanced in the media, how it was portrayed. I want to touch on that for a minute based on a comment I saw on one of your videos but I want to also, you said there was a man that had a restaurant and, and I guess it, he was about to lose his business and because all he had been shut down. What's what was, tell us that story. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. There was a shawarma shop and um, the government said everywhere near the truckers, you should shut your restaurant. It's not safe. They're, they're bad. They're dangerous. They're like terrorist people. And so the government said, you should close your business. But then a lot of businesses said, no, we're going to stay open. And so this shawarma shop, um, the owner actually said that the truckers saved his business because um, in Canada, specifically the government said, you can't go to your office. You can't work downtown in Ottawa. Like all federal workers have to work from home still to this day. <laughs> and okay. so these poor restaurants that are, that's their whole business is feeding the federal workers um, who work downtown near the parliament. It's like you guys are Washington, right? DC. Mm -hmm. like, that's our prime. That's where we have all the federal workers. So they haven't been downtown in two years. So these poor restaurants are just suffering. And they said in three weeks, we've made like more than we did in two years. Like they, so they're like the truckers saved our business. Um, but then, yeah. So there's so many stories like that. Well, and there was a woman, another woman that you put on video that had been in Mexico or something. And she came up, it was on vacation or something, came up and cooked for, for free for everybody for a couple yeah, of weeks. Like she heard about the convoy and she loved, she loves the vision of freedom for her grandchildren. And since so, she was in Mexico, she was supposed to be there till the end of March. And she cut her trip like almost two months short and came up and said, like, where can I help? And then she started just cooking for like the truckers and, and, and every street where there was truckers, there was like a little tent where someone was cooking for them. And the amount of abundance and like just serving each other and loving each other and helping each other out was just incredible. The, yeah, the love. It was just love. It was a giant love fest. It, it was love on cardboard. It was hugging. And it was, I mean, it was truly stunning to watch. And I remember it may have been the second weekend and we're going to get to the second weekend because I think that the, the temp temperature definitely changed probably literally and figuratively they're out there, you know, it's Canada. They're out there. Again, I don't know. It was like five degrees probably, but there was one of the videos that you did and someone jumped on and just really started hating on you because they know a guy in Ottawa who said, the whole town was ruined and it was a disaster and they were terrified for their life to go out. And here I see you, I don't even know what hours of the day and night you were all over the place with, you know, I never got that feeling that you were working from a place of fear. I always got the feeling that you were so grounded in fearlessness and safety and purpose were you ever afraid maybe maybe the second did you get afraid the second week no 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 she's shaking her head no <laughs> I can't describe yeah 
the feeling. I remember getting out of the taxi because of the taxi driver was like, are you sure you want to go down there? I heard it's dangerous. And I was just like, I knew, I knew it wasn't dangerous, but I wasn't sure what to expect. And the first weekend when I got out of the car, I just felt instantly just the love and people were coming up to me and like saying hi and asking if I needed help finding something. And it was just the most beautiful thing I ever felt. Um, so yeah, it was no, there's nothing like the news portrayed. You could palpably feel the love and the unity and the peace. And I mean, I went there with that in my heart and then it just got so even more elevated and being there. You just really felt led to go. You really wanted to, you felt like you needed to be there. Yeah, especially, especially the second weekend. I I got home on Sunday. I flew home and I was exhausted because I had spent the whole weekend like helping truckers and like giving out care packages. And I just wanted to thank them. I I wanted them to stay there. That was my intention. I'm like, I want them to stay and get our freedoms back. Like, cause that, that was the only time the government was listening was when the truckers were there. They ignored us for two years. You know, this is the first time we felt like we had a voice. So I just wanted to go there and like give neck massages and like give out care packages and like do anything I could to just show them that they were so appreciated. And then I went home Sunday exhausted because I didn't sleep like in three days. I didn't sleep because it was just so much energy. And then by like Wednesday, I had this feeling I should go back. I got to go back. And um, it wasn't exactly, I knew in my heart I needed to go back. I didn't exactly know why. And then I was sharing before the interview, but everything just fell into place. The flights were like a thousand dollars one way. And my friend just booked them. She's like, I want you to go. I can't go. But like she booked them for me and she, she paid for them. Um, same with the hotel. She booked it for me on points. And like, it just felt so like God wanted me there, you know? Yeah. And my husband supported it too. He's like, Oh, you sure you want to do that? Um, Cause they had, they had enacted the war act or the emergency act at this point. So we weren't sure yeah. how that was going to shake out, but I just knew I'm like, I got to go there. I got to share my love, my peace, support. I got to hold the line. I got to actually document this too. I, I'm, a, I'm a messenger. That's why, how I found you. I wanted to be able to share my message. So I feel like I'm going to, I want to share what's really happening. Yeah. Okay. So let me share something in this moment before we get into the second weekend, because like I said, I was watching the first weekend. I follow all my students. I'm so proud of them. I was already proud of her. And then that second weekend hit and I was truly captivated and not, and not only because of the courage and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about what I saw on those videos, but and I asked if it was okay if I said this before I jump before I hit record. Charmaine, when one of the things, and this is one of the reasons, there were many reasons I wanted to bring her on the show, but I think that this is the piece that so many of you will relate deeply to. When we met, there was, and I'm gonna say it my way, and then you can re-say it any way you want, but there was one of the hurdles we had to work on was concern of what people were gonna say, think about you and what you have to say. And this was long before the trucker movement, right? This is when we first met, this was other things. And it was as, as big as it is for everybody else that gets here. It is as big, you know, that is a, one of the biggest things I deal with is people 
worried about judgment and concerned about fallout and concerned about haters. And it is 100% valid. I'm not minimizing it on any level. It is a huge part of my work. But to have known that, having worked with Charmaine, to then see her standing on the front lines, commanding the space like I've never seen anybody command the space. I mean, she is literally being tear gassed, holding the video, talking with a strength and a power and a feeling that was riveting. And it wouldn't have mattered what I believed in. I would have been mesmerized by the power and the strength that I heard in her voice about how every voice deserves to be heard. Every voice matters. Every single voice matters. And I was truly stunned. Not like I didn't think you had it in you, but at the courage to watch you standing there and that footage. So the police had not been there the first, not in the capacity in any way like they were after the war enactment thing, right? Yeah. So there was lots, there was Ontario, there was uh, Ottawa police just in the nature of having thousands of truckers and peaceful protesters in the streets. There was maybe an increased, I would say an increased police presence but they were very amicable. They would smile. They would chat with you. They were just kind of keeping, making sure nothing went strange with that many people in downtown. And then when the wartime act or the emergency act was enacted by our prime minister, literally overnight, it went from like peaceful fun to like tens of thousands of extra police coming in from all over Canada, riot police, like, and they were briefed, like, these are dangerous protesters. These are bad people. Like they were briefed to be like getting ready for like a battle. Whereas it was like grandmas and moms, like just wanting our kids' freedoms back. And so, yeah, it was pretty wild standing there looking at them in the eyes. And I was bawling at different points. I don't have a video of me crying, but I'm like, you guys were lied to. You you were lied to. You were told that you were going to face these crazy trucker rioter people. And now you see it's a mom, like just wanting your kids freedom back. Um, so yeah, the police presence went like crazy overnight and um, got very dark. It got yeah, very dark. You went pretty. Did it. It did, but it didn't because like the darker the the government got, the more bright the people got, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that's part of my thing was I wanted to bring peace and love there. I didn't want to bring more divide and more fighting. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to stand in that. And that's kind of why I was able to stay so strong because I know I have a, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And I knew if God wanted me to get out of there, I would have gotten out of there. And like, I knew where I needed to be at each moment because I trust my intuition and and it felt safe, weirdly, when you have a police with a baton and a big riot yeah. going on. And I felt safe because I knew I was in the right energy and I knew what I was standing for. And you couldn't have been, I mean, it was hard to tell on the video, but you couldn't have been two feet from them. Was it, it they were that close? And it's this line of riot police and then this line of people 
shouting love. And, and I remember at one point, uh, somebody rolled up next to you in a wheelchair. And that was, I think, the video where you started explaining what the riot police were doing. And they would they would holler something and then they would advance and y'all were to back up and, and and you kept getting backed up and then you would get tear gassed and talk to us about what, what all that was. Well, yeah, their goal, their mission was to clear the trucks. Okay. So to get the trucks off of parliament Hill, like kind of near the white house. If you're in the U S yeah. try to clear the street because they'd had enough of the obstruction and, um, so that was their goal and kind of at any cost, I guess, like, cause, and to call us, you know, dangerous terrorist, white supremacist, racist, Islamophobe, like every name in the book. So then the police who are like, they were conflicted cause they're like, well, we were just told this, but then we have this grandma in a wheelchair and this woman saying that she loves us and like all the crowd was so loving. Yeah. They would say advance and then they would push the crowd a few feet forward and all of us would, well, I personally would just move. Yeah. <laughs> I want to push against, but some people would push back. Um, anyway, not at aggressively, but just saying we're holding the line. We're trying to protect these truckers because at that point, the truckers had decided they're willing to, um, break our windows, drag us to jail. They're getting imprisoned for being there peacefully protesting. They're getting their trucks impounded. So the truckers decided collectively, let's leave because we can't, this peaceful stand has become this horrific brutality thing that we never came here for. So they did decide most of them to go, but then it was almost too late, like, cause the police had already started encroaching on them. So I felt like almost like we were protecting the truckers and giving them the chance to go. So that they could figure out, you know, reconvene, figure out next steps. Because if, if you're trying to do something peacefully and then the police is trying to use brutality on you, you can't win. Right. Mm -hmm. So then they decided let's go and let's regroup and figure out a different strategy. Um, But yeah, it felt like we're kind of protecting them. And I mean, I saw police like riot police break windows, rip like old men out of their trucks. It was heartbreaking. And you knew, cause I had talked to them, they were grandpas they were just there to stand for their grandchildren's freedom and their future. And it was so, so sad to watch, but it's the government. It was, anyway, I don't want to get political. Yeah. 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 Right. But I want to, I do want to talk about like the, like you were talking a minute ago about how did I go from being like this people pleaser afraid to share my truth to like being on the front lines and the most contentious, like, thing and so yeah i love to share a bit more yeah yeah let's talk about that because i know that's going to be a source of inspiration for my listeners and i had worked with you and i was still marveled at the way you commanded the space not that i was ever surprised that you couldn't but to see it in action so yeah talk about that process because i know people will really value that well so I think it kind of came down to, to knowing why I was there. So I was there for my kids' freedom for their future. And that's how, that's my, that's my feeling. Some people are like, what are you talking about? What freedoms have you lost? And I'm like, you know what? I, if you can't even see that we've lost freedoms, I couldn't run my business. I couldn't fly for a long time until I made a certain health choice. 
Um, lots of my friends who are not vaccinated can't even leave the country. They can't fly. They can't get on a train. They can't take their kids swimming. They can't go to a restaurant. So people that just sit there going, what freedoms have you lost? Um, I don't even want to go down that road because it's so apparent to me what freedoms. And it's just, that's the thing too, is like, when does it end? Do, do we just keep letting them take our freedoms and not say anything? So I knew I was there for my kids, for their freedom. I knew I was there to hold love and peace. I knew I was there to show the world the truth instead of just what the mainstream would spin it as. And so I was very convicted. And I thought if I lose friends or followers or people don't want to talk to me for a while, I just came to a place of that's okay. I, it's more painful to keep my voice shut down than to share my truth. And because I do also have this fitness and wellness business, what I noticed was when I was quiet about freedom and choice, then I got quiet about what mattered in my business. And I, I just, it kind of was like, and then when I got louder about my beliefs about freedom, then I felt like more courageous to speak about my business. So, and I was afraid of losing followers, but I, I mean, not that it really just all matters about followers, but I almost doubled my Instagram following oh. in two weeks, just from speaking truth and showing the truth yes, and being myself unapologetically. And, you know, I've, I haven't talked to my two best girlfriends in a couple of weeks. I think they're kind of shocked. <laughs> what the hell is Charmaine doing? Um, but it's okay. I'm I'm not worried. And I think the pain of keeping quiet just got to be too much to bear. And I don't want to die with my message inside me. Oh, yes. And I, I mean, then there it is. And there it is. That is now you're tapping into my purpose. Because that's where the freedom lies, truly. And I, you hadn't told me about the followers, but I, you know, I always, I always say that. And that's, I mean, and and you're right. Not that followers, it, it's not about that. But when you're running a business, to a degree, it is about that. There is a visibility element in a reach element that does play into being a solopreneur. It, it's not about, it feeds my ego to have a lot of followers. It's about expanding my reach, touching the lives I'm here to touch. So it does matter. And the fact that it doubled does not surprise me and gives me more data because I think that's something that I tend to say. Yeah. Act as if the outcome's yours, right? Yeah, and I had this feeling of trust and faith that no matter what, it was going to be okay. And I had a fear for sure of losing clients because I have about a hundred clients between my fitness and my fat loss coaching and, and knock on wood, I haven't lost one client. I have some that are like very much not in alignment with me and this in the political side of things and this freedom stuff. And they see the value of my message around self-love and fitness and health and I've been so, it's been so nice to see that just because we don't agree politically and we can still work together and I can still help them with their health. And so that's been so refreshing to see, wow, no, just because I don't like that I'm at the freedom convoy and don't think that's the right way to stand for freedom. That's okay. We can respectfully chat about that or not. Um, I also don't bring it into my workouts. Like when I'm teaching fitness online, I don't talk about the freedom convoy. I don't. Mm -hmm. That's where I kind of drew the line because I want that to be a safe place for everyone. And I, and so I think it's just respecting people too. And I've been really 
refreshingly surprised that I didn't lose any clients either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's the way that's, I think it comes from love and respect and I respect them for thinking the opposite of me too. Exactly. I think it goes both ways. Exactly. And you said before we started, you made a comment about, about the way I run my space and, and I've got uh, a Democrat, Republican, backs on back, you know, I've got it all. And that's a hundred percent. Okay. It's, it, you know, and I, I, here I go again with when I was your age, you know, here I go with another one of those stories, but I don't even know that I, I would imagine most of my friends were opposite of my beliefs, but it wasn't a thing. We could have these beautiful discussions and, and ponder, oh, wow, yeah, I can see your side, but I'm sticking with mine or whatever it was. And it was, there wasn't the kind of division that you see now. And that's what I think was one of the things that was so powerful about watching you down there, standing in front of men with bats and tear gas. The love never dropped. The place you stood in love, even when you had to go, hold on, I got to go off camera a minute because the tear gas is really burning my lungs. You never wavered. You never wavered in pointing a finger or making them bad or it was never about that for you. Yeah, no. And, and some people like even my husband's like, they should be so ashamed, those cops. And I just always hold that side. Like, well, I feel compassion to them because they were told something that wasn't true and they're trying to feed their families and, I just, I don't think the energy of blame and shame is helpful either way. And there's enough division. That's another thing. I don't want to seed more division. The government's done that. The systems have done that. We need more love and understanding. And there's some really good police there that day. And you could see their hearts. And I went down the line with my phone. I called my kids, which some people might not think that was too cool, but I have a two and a six-year-old and they love police. So they were waving at the police saying, hi, police, hi, police. And you could just see these guys going, what the fuck are we doing here? (laughs) Like you could tell some of them were just in shock. Like, what have we been brought in here for? Like, this is insanity. And so that's kind of why I wanted to do that, to be like, I'm a mom. I'm a normal, like, I'm not this crazy thing that the government said I was. So I just want, I think there's a lot of love there and, and our love, our love, like from the peaceful protesters and the truckers, I know it created like nobody died. Like, right. Nothing, no, nothing burned down. Nothing. People there. I mean, a few rubber bullets and some tear gas and some, um, you know, a few people were injured, but you know, that <laughs> sounds bad to say nobody died, but you know, I think, we knew why we were there and we weren't there for a conflict. We were there for a peaceful stand. And that's just what we kept holding and, and praying for. And there was a lot of prayers and there was so much love on our side. And according to, now I know Canada is very different than the U.S. or somewhat different from the U.S. We've got the, the right to protest and all these other rights. Y'all do too, don't you? I know, I know it's not a constitution. Y'all don't yeah. call it, what do y'all call it? 
Yeah. And that was part of it too. The Charter of Rights and Charter. Freedoms, which is yeah. the highest law in Canada. So if you go to court, that's the highest of all the rules is the Charter. And it, right in the Charter, it says we have the right to peacefully assemble and peacefully protest. And that's what the truckers relied on. And he even went to court during the three weeks. And the judge said, yeah, you guys aren't doing anything illegal. You might be maybe getting some traffic tickets, but like you're not actually doing anything illegal. Um, so the fact that our prime minister overrode that and then said these people are he had to name us like he had to call us terrorists to be able to make this possible. But he enacted the War Act which is made for if we get attacked by another country, like it's not made for inter internally. It's not, wasn't, so it got used for something it was never supposed to be used for. Um, and that's another part that gave me peace because I knew what I was doing was lawful and I knew my charter. And a lot of people don't know the charter. A lot of the police didn't even know the charter. Like they're supposed to take an oath to serve and protect and uphold the charter of rights. And some of them don't even know it. So uh -huh. like, I knew what I stood for and I knew I was doing it peacefully. And that's why when someone would say, oh, that's not the way, right way, I said, well, what is the right way? Because nobody was listening when I was on the street corner with my little freedom sign. And then I had, we had to go to Ottawa. And guess what happened while I was in Ottawa? Mandates dropped in my city for masking kids. Um, the vaccine passport dropped in my province. So all these things started, like all these mandates started dropping. And people were like, oh, that's just the, because it was time, the right time. But the truckers have the truckers put pressure on the politicians to show the, them what the people wanted. Yeah. So I'm so I'll never I'll be grateful for truckers the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the, the courage, I think if I had to, you know, love is a definite theme in this. But the courage that I saw you have, the courage that I saw them have is such an incredibly noble quality. The, the, the other thing that I thought was really impressive was sometimes I would catch you live and I would just happen to be here working and I would get the pop-up that you were going live. And of course, certainly the second weekend I've clicked on and I would watch people sling hate at you. And I had seen people sling hate at you previously. It didn't rattle you. It didn't phase you. It didn't. I mean, you responded so effectively. It was effective communication on display. It was it, it was really that. And that's it. You were not giving your power to them. You were not giving your power to them. And so I, I think that they would stop. They would throw a couple of uh, insults your way and you would come back to them with love. And I, then I think they would quit commenting. Yeah. And isn't that such a testimony mm -hmm. for love? Because if I had gone back at them and criticized them, that would have just fueled the divide, but nobody want love is the strongest of all the emotions. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that was a big thing whenever, even there was some counter protesters that were like, you know, kill the unvaccinated and like that kind of thing. And it, it, it just so much hate. Yeah. And then we would just say, we love you. We love you. And it's not even about the vaccination at this point. It's just about freedom and choice and moving forward. And mm -hmm. but we would never fight with them. We would just say, we love you. Um, and, and they didn't know what to say. They didn't have a retort right. to that because it's just, but yeah, I learned that. And it was kind of like a muscle that I've been working the last few months, just, 
if someone's criticizing me, it's not about me. Mm -hmm. It's a reflection of how much pain they're in. And, and also I feel like some people haven't woken up to see that this is way bigger than they think it is. They still think it's just about a virus and it's actually about government control and a lot more things. And, and so I think, well, when they're ready, they'll awaken and God will wake them up in their time. And for now, I just want to keep loving on them. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was very, it was cool to always have love as the, always the answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did, was the goal, I know the whole thing was about freedom, but did they want, did they want your prime minister to talk to them? Is it, it I know that, that I get the point, but what, did they want a conversation? Yeah. So they reached out many, the, the head of the truck convoy movement reached out many times. Like, can we meet? Like, can we sit with you and explain what we want? And our prime minister refused. He, he well, long story short, he got COVID apparently. And then he went on a cross country ski trip while we were all there. And he just dodged the whole thing. He wouldn't speak to them. And instead mm-hmm. of speaking to them, he enacted the war act And so it was very telling. And I'm actually glad it happened because it kind of showed the country, wow, this is the leader we have. He'd rather use brutal force on peaceful protesters than just talk to them. Um, So it was, uh, it was, I mean, as you always, what's the thing you always say? It's always working out. Oh, everything's always working out. Even when it looks like it's not, it's always working out. It was perfect. It just exposed yeah. the darkness and got some light to shine on it. Yeah. And then and then did they leave that weekend? I know they were moving out, but by the time you left, was it close to over? Yeah. So I left Sunday and by Saturday night, Saturday was when really everything went down and they had towed, you know, they were towing all the trucks away that had not peacefully been able to get out of there in time. So they towed all the trucks away. They put big barricades around everything so that no more protesters could get anywhere near. Um, and yeah, Sunday was a real strange feeling. Like I went and walked around and the police were like, you can't come close. You can't be near here. And it was just such a desecration of our charter of rights. Cause I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was just there to peacefully make a stand. So it just continuously showed like how much we're abusing our charter of rights and freedoms. And but yeah, they, it was over by Sunday. Over. And when I say over, it was like, it had ignited so many people's love and passion and it had exposed so much darkness. So a lot of the truckers said, no matter what happens, we've already won. Like we've already mm. made our statement. Um, a lot of them didn't want to leave and a lot of them didn't leave and they got torn from their trucks and they got put in jail and they'll be out. Like they, they did nothing wrong. So they got arrested, but then they'll get out. But anyway, so it was pretty much over yeah. on, okay. on Sunday. Yeah. But then now it's ignited all these new convoys and like yeah. people are going to their pro like they're going to the set, the uh, what's it called? Anyway, they're, they're making smaller, um, concerted efforts in different places instead of just this one big one. Yeah, no, it's really, I see, I still see you posting and it looks like there's a lot of activity, a lot of things happening. And I think they're doing one of those here. Yeah. I believe they're headed to DC. Yeah. I hope yours ends. <laughs> I hope yours is respected a bit more <laughs> by your government. Well, I, I guess we'll have to see. I think they were convening in California 
and then going to go across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's what a story. What an experience. Yeah. What a, what a, yeah. What a thing to be a part of. Yeah. And that's what I can said to my husband. Now I, no matter how things shake out, I can tell my kids that I stood for their freedoms and what I believed in. And my mom was a social justice warrior. And so Mm. she always did a lot of that kind of stuff, like protests and writing letters to politicians. And I thought she was a cuckoo job back then. (laughs) (laughs) Now I see the importance of standing up because if we don't stand up for it, then it can be taken. Right. Yeah. Well, and you didn't just stand up. You stood up and used your voice in a really, really big and powerful way. And I think this is just the beginning of you using your voice that way. Oh, yeah. I feel that. I feel like I have this new energy, (laughs) this momentum. It's like, yeah. And whatever I share, it's always going to be from love and with a purpose and with respect and but also unapologetic. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for sharing this with us. I just could, when I was watching you, I thought I've got to have her come on the show now immediately and talk about this experience and talk about how you really found and used your voice in a massive way, even bigger than what you were already doing. And, and I used you still, you do the five, eight, you do something at five, eight, you have an online fitness group. Yeah, we uh, we work out together on Zoom like this uh, at 6 a.m. Mountain Time and also 9.30, three times a week. Um, yeah, I, I want to just say one like one more just yeah. to your listeners. Um, I don't know how to say it. Just the cost of staying quiet is so much greater than I think I ever realized. And if we stay quiet about one thing that we believe in, then it... It, it can't not dim out our other messages too. And I just think just be unapologetic and respectful that your message rocks and it needs to be heard. And the people that are meant to hear it will hear it. And yeah, kind of shying back and in dimming our, our light is just such a desecration to the gift of life that we've been given. So that's mm. what I wanted to share. Yeah, that's really good. That's a really good thing to end on really powerful. Well, we'll put some links to Charmaine and her work and all the things she wants to send us to in the show notes. But that was, I was going to say anything else, but that was pretty, pretty good ending for you right there. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you listeners for being here, for listening and for finding your voice. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. And until I see you next time, you know what to do. Get out there and speak your truth. Just do it beautifully. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at CaptivateTheRoom.com and be sure to grab The Voice Formula, a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. 